and uh, we're going to pray for the people of the world. I found a prayer that was written by uh, Christine Longhurst. She has this wonderful website uh, in which you can find prayers and benedictions and all kinds of liturgies that she's gathered from various places. But this is a prayer that she wrote. And um, when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you will say, hear our prayer. Okay, let's pray together. God, we come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving for your faithful love. Your love never fails, not even when we turn away from you. When we ignore your invitation or desert you for gods of our own making, even then you do not abandon us, but you reach out again and again, inviting us back into relationship once more. As you welcome us, so you welcome our prayers. And so we bring them to you with confidence, knowing that you will hear and answer. And so we pray for the world you created and the people who share it with us, for countries caught up in war or violent conflict, for regions of the world struggling with disease and increased cases of COVID-19, for those whose homes and lives are threatened by natural disaster, for these and all the other areas in our world where there is need and despair, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for our country and for its people, for our government leaders, federal and local, for our judicial system, police forces, and military, for our cities, towns, and rural communities, for employers and employees, for young and for old, for all who are part of this great country. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray for this local community, the people of this city, this town, and surrounding areas, for those who are unemployed, for those in prison, for those who are hungry, for those who are alone and afraid, for all our neighbors, both known and unknown to us, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And we pray for this congregation our brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who are ill, those whose loved ones are ill, those who are anxious about the future, those struggling with their faith, for those who minister among us, for all your people in this place, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Pour out your Spirit upon us, Fix our hearts and our minds on what is true and honorable and right. Give us the joy and peace that comes from knowing and doing your will. Keep us faithful to the call we have received in Christ Jesus our Lord, extending your loving invitation to the world around us. It is through his name that we pray, and all God's people said, I'm going to read our scriptures for today, and then the children will be released to go back to the kids' area if they so desire, but you're more than welcome to hang out with us if you want to. Our scripture this morning 
comes from Exodus chapter 32. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. Let me set this up for you, because when you jump into the middle of a story, uh, it doesn't make much sense unless you know where we are. Um, Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They have been wandering in the desert, uh, kind of getting used to this new way of living, following this new God, uh, and they end up at Mount Sinai. And God uh, tells the people they can kind of come up to the mountain, uh, right at the base of the mountain, and He will uh, speak to them and kind of reveal the laws that He wants them to live under. Uh, but when God speaks, what they hear is thunder and lightning. And so they say, uh, no thanks, Moses, you got this, we're going to head back. Uh, and, so, and so Moses stays up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now you all have seen Charlton Heston comes down, right, with the two. Or if you want to do Mel Brooks' version, he comes down with three tablets but drops one. He says, these 15 commandments from the Lord, these 10 commandments from the Lord, if you've seen that, right. So this is where we are. Moses is still up on the mountain. The people are down, uh, far away from the mountain, and this is where we pick it up. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off your gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven 
And all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring on his people. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, when we are born, we don't have a care in the world, right? In fact, we don't even know that there is a world when we're born. We don't even know that we are a someone, a self. But as we begin to grow up, we begin to notice things. And I think we forget our first holy innocence. And we begin to see ourselves as standing out and apart from everything else, including God. And I don't have to tell you, this can be a very lonely place to be. Uh, If you feel as yourself that you are all by yourself, no one knows how you're feeling, no one knows about the things you're going through, this can be a very lonely place to be. And so, naturally, what we do is we begin to ask the question, who am I? These are the big questions, right? Who am I? What is my purpose in this life? Where do I belong? We begin to ask these questions. And I think unconsciously, we begin to look for connections in what feels like a very disconnected existence. And so like costumes, we begin to try on things. And we've all tried these on. Things like our nationality, our political party, uh, perhaps our career and our colleagues involved in that career, uh, maybe our social class, our standing, uh, maybe our race, maybe our military service, uh, maybe our orientation, maybe our religion. The list goes on and on and on of things that we try on. Maybe this is who I am. Oh, maybe I'm a pastor in the Methodist church. Maybe that's my identity. When someone asks the question, when I ask the question, who am I? Oh, well, I'm a Methodist pastor. That becomes my identity. The problem is none of these identities that we try on like costumes seem to do the job. And so the search continues, or maybe it doesn't, which is really the most tragic place to be. When you just settle for whatever identity is the flavor of the moment, you say, well, this is who I am, and you stop the search. That's a very tragic place to be. Really, whether we know it or not, what we are searching for is God and our identity in God and God in us. Now, many, 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 many years ago, uh, I guess 4th century, 5th century, St. Augustine, one of the famous theologians, he wrote this wonderful uh, book called Confessions, and it was his, his prayer of how he came to know the Lord uh, and, and how he started off as a young man and where he was at the point of writing this. But there's one line in Confessions that theologians have been quoting forever. Jay, pull that up for me, will you? St. Augustine said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, 
and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That is a theologically dense statement. Think about that for just a second. We are restless, whether we know it or not. Everybody on the planet is restless until they find their rest in you, our home. God as our home. You see, this is exactly where we find the Israelites in today's passage. This is where they were. They had a deep desire to connect to God, to know God's presence, and to feel in their bones that they belonged to God and that their very identity was rooted in God and God in them. Now, God tried to invite him up on the mountain where he met with Moses. He tried, but as I said before, all they heard was thunder and saw lightning. And so they quickly said, nope, whatever this God is, we can't even understand him. Just sounds like a big storm to me. Mo, you got it, baby. We're going to head back this way. We'll turn on Netflix or something. Just come down when you're ready, okay? And so they tuck tail and they go away. But that desire to belong, to know who they were, was still there. They, They still wanted to know, who are we? What is the purpose of this whole thing? Who do we belong to? And so what they did was they made a golden calf. They made this golden calf in which to fix their gaze upon in an effort to connect to God. We need something to look at. If you tell us that God is our God and, and, and we in Him and Him in us, then let's make something that we can focus our attention to and, and we'll, we'll do that. This will help keep us grounded because this, this other God is way up high and, and just sounds like a big storm. Give us something tangible to hold on to. And this isn't any different than any of us in our fumblings and our sloppy attempts to find ourselves in God. In fact, my reading in in Jesus Calling, I love Jesus Calling. If you don't have that, go buy it. It's a fantastic daily devotional. This was Wednesday's uh, uh, entry. Jay, can you pull that up for me? Before you knew me, you expressed your longing for me in hurtful ways. You were ever so vulnerable to the evil around you in the world, but the one thing you absolutely need is the one thing you can never lose, my presence with you, right? The presence of God is with us always, 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 but we do not perceive it, and so we go out seeking for something that we already have, and we do it in hurtful and harmful ways. Of course, God knows this. God knows that every single person in this room, every single person on the planet is unconsciously searching for their divine home. And we look down every avenue and in every back alley in places of darkness and places of light, hoping to find something that we cannot even articulate. What did Bono say in U2? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I know I'm looking for something but I don't really know what it is and I still haven't found it. That's our life story. All of us seeking for something 
we cannot even articulate. And God knows this. God knows this. And God holds none of it against us. Or does he? Because after the children of Israel make the golden calf, God kind of switches. God kind of flips and says, Moses, get down there immediately. These stiff-necked people are breaking the commands I gave them. Never mind, they couldn't understand the commands when I said them. All they heard was thunder and lightning. But still, I spoke it to them, and they're already breaking them. And so I want you to go down and let me smolder in my own wrath because I'm just going to wipe them out like that. And I'll just start over with you, Moses. You'll be my new Abraham, and I'll start a new nation with you. Is God really that quick-tempered? Is God really so callous as to wipe out an entire group of people simply because they are reaching out to Him in the only ways they know how? Is God really like that? Or is something else going on here? You may recall Moses never wanted this gig. From the very first moment that God uh, met him in that burning bush, Moses has been trying to get out of this gig. Well, I, I don't speak well, God. That's okay. I'll have Aaron speak for you. They're not going to listen to me. They will listen to you. Well, how am I going to do it? Well, here, take this stick. Just go, Moses. It's going to be okay. Moses has been trying to get out of this job, and when he couldn't, we've seen stories already when Moses is short-tempered with the people. He keeps turning to God going, these people, your people, come on. What am I going to do with them? So this is Mo's chance to get out of this gig. God is giving him an out. Moses, I'm going to wipe them out, and I'll start over with you. And I anticipate that Moses is going to say, that sounds like a fine idea, God. I have not wanted this job since the get-go. These people have been causing me so much grief. Let's do it. Sounds like a good plan. Of course, Moses has been struggling with his identity, too. I mean, is he an Egyptian prince? Is he a Hebrew slave? Is he a Midianite shepherd? Is he God's mouthpiece for the people of Israel? What is he? Who is he? And this moment, I think, is nothing other than a chance to really dig in and to consider his own true identity as one who first and foremost belongs to God and God to him. And it's beautiful because Moses takes the opportunity to do that hard work. Moses, the man who lived as one who is deeply disconnected from God and from the people around him for so long, all of a sudden, miraculously, finds himself defending the people making a case for them. Maybe for the very first time, Moses was seeing himself in the people and the people in him and all of them in God. The name of the people being Israel, which simply means God-wrestlers, God-grapplers, those who pin God to the ground, Israel the name of God embedded in the name of the people. Moses, for the first time, is getting it, and he goes to bat for the people. 
Instead of saying, good idea, sounds like a good idea, God, he says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember the promises you made to them. Remember the plans that you had for them. Remember the the plans that you had for me to, to lead them through this wilderness space and into this new land. Remember, God, is this really such a good idea? It was this deep revelation that I think brought life to Moses and gave room for love of the other, who Moses found out was not an other at all. It was himself, his true identity. And so the text says that Moses changed God's mind, and God changed Moses' heart. Gosh. If we could just figure out how to have our necks relaxed and our hearts softened like this. What was the trick? What did it for Moses? What moved him into this new space? Well, the only thing I can think of of significance is that Moses has just spent 40 days and 40 nights face-to-face with God. And there's got to be something in that. In that when you take the time to sit before God and to listen to God, you will be changed. It's going to happen. Just simply being in the presence of love like that is bound to change you. And I think about how we spend so much of our time approaching God with our stuff. God, I got some things I need to talk to you about. I need to air out some laundry with you. Our requests, our praises, our thanksgiving, all good stuff. Really, really good stuff. But sitting with God and listening to God is even better. I imagine that what Moses encountered over those 40 days and 40 nights, simply listening to God, not speaking a thing, but simply listening and receiving from God was maybe something a little bit like this. Pull up that video, Jay. Do we have volume on that? There we go. You see, when you get in the presence of God and sit still long enough, your heart begins to beat with the heart of God. This is what the mystics tell us. I found at the center of me was God. And all of a sudden, my heart became God's heart. And God's heart became my heart. And they were beating as one heart. You see that? This is what happened to Moses. 
Moses, who was mad about the whole thing, never wanted the job, didn't like the people, got on his last nerve, sat with God for 40 days and 40 nights and came off of that mountain with a new heart, spontaneously synchronized with the heart of God. Folks, we are sitting in this room and we're asking the question, who am I? Who am I? And I want to tell you that God is at the center of you. That the answer to that question lies at the center of you. And if you spend time listening, you will find that your neck is not so stiff anymore because it's starting to relax a little. And you find that your heart begins to beat with a different rhythm. And you're shocked at the change. And you wonder what's going on. But it's being in the presence of God that's doing the trick. And so I've got a homework assignment for you this week. This, this could be a little scary, okay? But if, you, if you're willing to take it up, I'm going to ask you each day this week to find a quiet spot, 10 minutes, every single day this week. And I want you to ask the question, God, who am I? And then sit still. Now, I can't promise that in a week's time, Moses was there for 40 days and 40 nights. I can't promise that 10 minutes a day for one week, that you'll get an answer to that question, but you might. And if you do get an answer to that question, I want you to text me. I want you to call me. I want you to email me and tell me the answer that you received. I know what lies at the center of you. I know who you are. And my prayer is that you know as well. Let's pray. God, remove anything. Remove anything in us that hinders us from seeing the truth. That our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And where are you? You are at the center of us so that your heart and our heart become one and the same. Help us to find that rest this week. I pray for all of these people who are going to ask you this question this week and they're going to sit still. I pray that nothing would hinder them from hearing that answer and being moved and changed through it. Amen. Pray for peace in the Middle East. Pray for the Israelis. Pray for the Palestinians. Pray for the folks in Afghanistan that have been hit with their third earthquake uh, in, in a matter of days. Um, pray. Pray that the, the song that I picked at the, at the very opening... That our, that our enemies have become our friends, have become ourselves, 
Like Moses began to see these people as one and the same. They are me. Pray that that happens in the world. Okay? Receive this blessing. There is one who sticks closer than sister or brother. One who is closer than father or mother. One who is closer than spouse or lover. One who is closer than your very self and yet is none other. May you find this one whose presence melts all fears and loneliness and suffering and pain. May you find this one who refuses to dish out condemnation and revenge and judgment and shame. May you find this one who even now beckons you to give up your life so that you might find it again. As the dawn of eternity reveals that you and the one have become one and the same. In the name of this one who I call the Christ, who promises that those who seek shall find, go forth with this blessing until we are gathered together once again. Amen. Amen. Amen.